It's Lotus Gilded Anderson's podcast, and it's the 8th of August 2021. The time is 2019, and it is Sunday. Now, today we are going to once again visit the book. It's a bit of a tongue twister title The Thing You Can See Only When You Slow Down How to Be Calm and Mindful in a Fast Paced World. And we have come to the chapter of love, chapter number five. And we just start reading and then I start uh, analyzing afterwards. So let's just change the scenery here like this. And I start reading. I was in 10th grade when I first came across Carly Grippen's book. I dove into his words without knowing who he was or where he was from. I had not yet tasted the sweetness of love or the bitterness of life, but his love poems and spiritual prose entrailed me. It was probably his poems that first put me in touch with something inevitably beautiful and sacred within myself. As I read the prophet and Jesus, the Son of Man, I felt a deep sense of revenues for an intimacy with Jesus. This was a new experience for me, as I had previously been exposed only to dry, moralistic Christian teachings of good and evil. Even more fascinating were the love letters between Gabriel and Mary Haskell, his close friend and spiritual partner. The letter opened my unexperienced teenage heart longing for true love. I ended the many long nights of my high school years reading Gibeon's poem. I still remember how Gibeon describes his love in this following simple yet elegant sense. Demonstrations of love are small compared with the great things that is hidden beneath them. Gibeon's tender spirit and his language moved me deeply. Even though I had never fallen in love, his words dug into my heart as it if I were experiencing it myself. When love beckons you to follow him, touch, oh, sorry, through his ways are hard and steep, and when his wings enfold you, yield to him, through the sword hidden among his pinions may wound you. I promised myself that when love found me, I too would pour all of myself into it, without calculating or fear, even if deep pain lurked behind it. But as everything or everyone knows, love does not arrive just because you want it to, or think you are ready for it. In fact, elusiveness seems to be the nature of love. The harder you try to grasp it, the further away it remains. A few years later, I woke up one morning and realized that my long-awaited love had finally found me. It was like an unexpected guest, walking straight into my heart, regardless of my will or readiness. It is embarrassing for a monk to talk about his first love, but she was an American missionary whom I met by chance on the streets of Seoul. I was interested in religion and spirituality, so we had a lot to talk about. She taught English to me and my friends, and we helped her learn Korean. Although she was several years older than I was, we shared several interests beyond religion and language. We both liked George Winston's music, Luke Benson's films and musicals like The Miserable. I made her mixtapes, and she baked me cookies and pies. 
Even though I rarely had a chance to be with her one-on-one, -on -one, I looked forward to seeing her, even if it was in a class setting. Soon I realized this was not just a youthful crush, it was love. But could this love come to fruition? It was fated to be one-sided. In her eyes, I was just a high school student. She was due to return to the U.S. after six months back to her longtime boyfriend. It was clearly not going to work out, but I could not do anything about it, how I, about how I felt. When love finds you, it consumes you. Everything else becomes unimportant. My thoughts were circulating her all day long, and my heart was wide open and vulnerable. Everything looked more vivid and meaningful. I felt so happy when I uh, talked or thought about her as if I were flying to the highest peaks in the world with her. But as the date for her to return home approached, I also felt unbearable sorrow. I was so very happy and at the same time in acute pain. Two weeks before her departure for the U.S., I felt my selfishness gradually dissipate. Nothing was important other than her. It was like I was disappearing from the world, leaving only her in it, as though everything in the world sprang from her. That was when I finally understood what Gideon meant when he said there was an unknown God between him and Mary. Love seemed so sacred and mysterious, like the work of a good far more powerful and significant of a god far more powerful and significant than other of us. All of Gibeon's work took a new meaning. The whole world appeared quite different to me. Three years after she left Korea, she wrote to me to announce her wedding. She would finally be married to her boyfriend. At that point I was in college in California. I wanted to fly to the south to congratulate her, but I had neither the money nor the time. What really stopped me from attending her wedding, though, was the fear that seeing her get married would be too painful. I could only send a letter wishing her the best, along with a small present. Two years later I graduated from college and decided to drive cross-country with a friend. When we passed through her town, I called and asked if she would like to have coffee with me. She was thrill thrilled to see me, and we reminisced about our time together in Korea. Her husband came with her and treated her warmly. He was a kind-hearted person just like her. After college, I lived in Cambridge, Massachusetts, where I was studying for my master's degree. I frequently visited Boston's South End, where Gibeon's family lived after immigrating from Lebanon at the end of the 19th century. When the South End was one of the largest slums in Boston, populated largely by Syrian and Lebanese immigrants. Today, though, it is a beautiful neighborhood with New England's red brick buildings. Gibeon grew up there, living with his mother and siblings and learning English at school. He enrolled in art school and blossomed into a talented artist. In 1904, he had his first exhibition and Mary Haskell, who was 10 years older, was taken with his art artistry. She began, 
she became his passion for the rest of his life. Gibeon sent her letters filled with insight about love and life, and those letters, having nested deep in my teenage heart, remained with me even today. And when he speaks to me, believe in him, though his voice may shatter your dreams as the north wind lays vast the garden, for even as love crowns you, so shall he crucifies you. Haskell eventually left Boston and moved to the south. Three years later, she wrote to Gibeon to inform him that she was to be married, just as my first love announced to me three years after her move to the south. Having this in common with Gibeon made me feel closer to him, as in and his writings felt even more special to me. Today I think about my first love. I no longer feel sorrow. At the time, though, my heart ached. Those feelings are long gone, replaced with a deep gratitude. I am so grateful to my first love, to Gibeon and to the universe for introducing me to the wonders of love and devotions and to the feeling of being truly alive and for giving me the experience of a vanishing ego, a universe of infinite meanings and a glimpse of God. If you look for love in pursuit of what it can give you, it will hide itself. If you ask love to arrive because you are now ready, it will skip your door. Love is like an uninvited guest. Love will come when it wants to. Love will leave when you ask uh, more of it. If you attempt to find love that meets certain criteria, your new love also may also make certain demands of you. Drop your demands quickly when love knocks on your door. Love is warm and freeing. It is innocent, like a child without a hidden agenda. We can determine how close we are to someone by asking, can I act like a little kid in front of that person? When we love someone, we feel like a little kid in our heart. When I began looking for my first teaching job, I thought it was similar to going out on a date. I might like it, but it might not like me, or it might like me, but I might not like it. <clears throat> to cook something delicious, you need time for the ingredients to marinate. To build a lasting relationship, you need time for trust to develop. When you are dating, temper your enthusiasm. You may ask, what is wrong with experiencing my honest feelings or expressing my honest feelings? Why can't I give her a gift and tell her I love her? Your words and gifts will mean more to her when she is ready. Love her, not your feelings. Love needs to be balanced. If you like him more than he likes you, give him time and space to catch up. It is important to hold back your emotions when your feelings are not in balance with his. Hamin Sunium, I found myself getting so upset with him. At first I thought it was because I did not like him, but then I realized it was because he was not interested in me. Anger for no reason could be the expression of a crush. In elementary school I met a tall girl who made fun of me. Later I learned she was 
doing it to get my attention. That was my first insight into the complexity of human psychology. One of the worst feelings is to believe that you don't matter. Look around you. Have you intentionally or unintentionally ignored anyone? Only when we are hurt do we think of someone whom we have hurt or feel true remorse or and feel true remorse. The end of a relationship reveals what we are made of. Move away just one step from your subordinates and anger. That one step is more significant than ten steps when things are fine. It will diminish your pain and rescue you from insanity. The heart is slower than the mind. The mind knows you must part ways, but your heart does not. This is because your this is because your feelings are settled deeper in your heart. When one day, after many days of disappointment, your partner deals the final blow, the light finally dims in your heart. Fallen gingos nuts are like a failed relationship. Once so lovely hanging from the tree, they emit a stink as they are crushed underfoot. They be as gentle in ending a relationship as you were in starting it. Proof of having really loved You do not speak ill of your ex, even after your relationship has ended. Sometimes after a relationship is over, you catch yourself thinking, I hope she is happy, without bitterness. This is a sign that you have moved on. Pain caused by one person can be healed by another. But before you go out to meet someone new, make sure to give yourself time to be whole again. Otherwise, you may end up using the new person you meet. An, an exceptional relationship is not one with a good beginning, but one with a good ending. Relationships often begin accidentally, but when it comes to ending them, we usually have choices. Choose the ending wisely. I love your ordinarity. Sorry, I love your ordinariness. After my Dharma talk, <clears throat> you approached me shyly with a warm bottle of soya milk in your hand and said tenderly, Sunim, I am sorry, I can only afford to offer you this. After handing me the bottle and a note, you disappeared into the crowd. When I read your note, I was deeply touched. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to me and offering your advice to such an unremarkable ordinary person like me. With the warmth of the bottle still lingering in my hand, I regretted that I missed the opportunity to speak with your, you further. Since we may not meet again, I decided to write to you here, hoping this message might somehow reach you. I want you to know that I love your ordinariness, because I too am ordinary. The truth is, we are all ordinary. No matter how famous or beautiful one is, no matter how much money or power one has, no matter how many wonderful accomplishments one has had, we all have our share of setbacks, heartbreaks and losses. We have to face challenges we have no control over. Loneliness and fear of death will accompany us to our final days.
everyone is on the same treacherous journey of life's taint glory. So I love you, you who shyly stood before me, murmuring softly that you are ordinary, offering offering me the warm bottle of your heart. Without love, our lives would pass us by in the blink of an eye. Love has the power to stop the world for a moment. Love makes the world look beautiful. When there is love, there is beauty. When love is drying up in your life, look for the beauty around you. That is where love can be found. You are beautiful, not because you are better than others, but because there is only you who can smile like that. May you fall in love with your unique self. One summer night I looked up and focused on one star out of many. That star also chose to look at me, out of all the people on earth. A meeting between two people is like this, a rare cosmic event. It is one in a million, a billion, a trillion. Love is trusting someone, being there for someone, being ready to listen with a tender heart for no other reason than love. At times we are not sure whether what we feel is love. At that moment ask yourself this, am I happy to give more even after having given a lot? If the answer is yes and there is no regret afterwards, then that is probably love. Love means loving someone the way she is. Wanting her to be a certain way is not love but your desire. Do not attempt to improve someone in the name of love. It is important only in your eyes, not in hers. If something is meant to blossom into a relationship, it usually works out without much difficulty. If you are the only one putting in effort, then let him go. This may relieve the pressure and motivate him to make an effort. If not, then it will open up a new path for you. Love comes naturally and effortlessly. If you try to love someone, then it is not real until you stop trying. <laughs> a casting director audience uh, auditions many actors but recognizes the right one as soon as he walks in. It can be the same with a new house, a diamond ring, a future spouse. If you are hesitant, then you might not have found the right one yet. Love her without what if, without calculation, without second guessing, without comparing her to others. Love her with the steadfast conviction of your soul. If one of you is unsavable, then the relationship can last. Sorry, if one of you is unshakable, then the relationship can last. Please don't call it love. What you are experiencing is inflation with no commitment or responsibility. Inflation is not love because it begins and ends with you. It is more about your feelings and less about the other person. When we are in love, we like to do nice things for the one we love. But it is equally important to refrain from doing unnecessary things. We often overlook that part.
We like to get involved in other people's business, thinking we are doing so for them. Thinking we are doing them so a favor for them. We offer unsolicited help and interfere with their lives. We take away their power and make them feel incapable. This stems from our desire for control and recognition. It has little to do with love. We should love people like the sun loves the earth. The sun loves the earth without choosing to. It nurtures trees and flowers, expecting nothing in return. It does not withhold its rays, but brightens everything with, with its presence. Like Kali Giman said, love each other like two pillars supporting the same roof, while looking out on the horizon together allow space between you and your loved one. Without it, you will suffocate and exhaust your love. Remember this. When you struggle to hold on to her, she leaves. When you decide to let her go, she stays. We do things for the ones we love, but sometimes just being there expresses even deeper love. Give the gift of your full presence. Chapter number six, Life. Do you know Kung Fu? When I walked around New York City in my gray monastic robes, I often encountered little boys who imitated Bruce Lee upon seeing me. At first I didn't understand what they were doing, but soon enough I did. They assumed anyone with a shaved head wearing robes would know martial art. I thought this was cute and amusing. A more forward boy even asked if he if I knew Kung Fu like those Chinese monks at Shaolin's temple. The playful side of me wanted to make a few fake Kung Fu poses, slowly raising my arms and my right leg. When adults find out that I am a Buddhist monastic, they ask with curiosity. What kind of meditation do you practice, or how many hours do you sit every morning? Your mind must be very peaceful. Then they talk about their experience at a local sense center or yoga studio or tell me about a book on the mindfulness they have come across. For many adults in the West, it seems that a Buddhist teacher is someone who is serenia and collected uh, thanks to daily meditation. Although the assumption of the child and the adults are different, I find that there is an underlying similarity. Both child and adult are curious about what it is that a monk does. In other words, when it comes to imagining a monk's identity, people in the West tends to zero in on his behavior. When I am in Korea, a different set of questions awaits me. On the subway, for instance, the person sitting next to me asks, where is your home monastery or which temple do you currently reside in? For Koreans, it appears that the most defining part of a person is where he lives. Even in the U.S., when Koreans meet, uh, first meet, after exchanging names, the first question they ask is, where in Korea are you from? It seems that for many Koreans, one's identity is tied closely to his hometown rather than to what he is doing. Every time I return to Korea, I wonder why Koreans all are all so obsessed with their alma mater, even when they are over 50 years old. 
Of course, when it comes to finding a job, having graduated from a precious university in is advantageous in most part of the world. But the degree alone is often not enough. Even if one has landed a good job, one's skills and experiences are more important than where one has studied. A good example is Steve Jobs, the co-founder of Apple. Jobs went to Red College but dropped out after one semester. Anyone familiar with American higher education would know that Red is an excellent liberal art college in Portland, Oregon. But to an average Korean who has heard only of the Ivy League and a few large universities in California, Reed would be considered subpar. If Steve Jobs had been Korean, his educational background would have been a huge impediment to a successful career. Nobody would have taken his ideas seriously or invested in his company. He would have been seen as not smart enough to have gone to an ivy. This concerns me. If we consider someone's identity as rooted primarily in his home time, hometown, hometown, or the school he graduated from, we end up looking only at his past and not paying attention to his current skills or future vision. Only those born into good families with the right educational background and connections are given a chance to succeed. While those from less than ideal backgrounds who are brimming with potentials are denied opportunities. Whenever young boys approach me to ask if I know Kung Fu, it becomes an occasion for me to reflect on my life. Am I behaving like a spiritual teacher or have I become compliant in my identity and ignored the work I am called to do. Moreover, when I meet someone new, do I make an effort to see who he is beneath his social markers? Or am I reducing people to their background and failing to see who they really are? I am reminded again that anyone, including those young boys, can be our spiritual teachers if we are willing to open uh, our heart to them. Life is like a slice of pizza. It looks delicious in an advertisement, but when we actually have it, it is not as good as we imagined. If you envy someone's life, remember the pizza in the ad. It always looks better than it is. Have you ever selected a cheaper dish from a menu than the one you really wanted, only to regret your choice when it arrived? Always go with your first choice if you can afford it. It is better than a life filled with regret. There are many more ordinary hours in life than extraordinary ones. We wait in line at a supermarket. We spend hours commuting to work. We water our plants and feed our pets. Happiness means finding a moment of joy in those ordinary hours. When you concentrate, even a phone book can be interesting. If you are bored, maybe you are not concentrating. Wherever you go, cultivate a sense of ownership. If you see litter in a church, library or park, pick it up. As you take ownership, your life will have more purpose and people will notice your good example. 
It makes sense that Scandinavia should be famous for furniture design since people in a cold climate spend more time inside their homes. Similarly, Italy is renowned for designer appeal. It makes sense that people in a warm climate should pay more attention to how they appear outdoors. Where you live shapes you. Do you live in a place conductive to the pursuit of your dreams? We don't think twice about spending nine or ten dollars on a glass of wine, and yet we hesitate when it comes to buying a book, which is the price of only one or two glasses of wine. Apparently, most people are unable to tell the difference between a fifteen-dollar bottle of wine and a fifty bottle of bottle of wine. The extra thirty-five is the price of our vanity. When Pursuing something you will have for a long time, like a house or a piano, choose the best within your means, not something that will do for now. You might think it is good enough, but after a while you will regret it. A good customer does not say, "Please do whatever you think is best." She knows exactly what she wants and communicates it clearly. If a customer does not communicate what she wants, she may still have preferences. Which might be expressed as a compliment, com- sorry, as a cl- complaint once the work is completed. Sorry, expressed as a complaint once the work is completed. When there is a problem, take it up with the person who is responsible. If you address it in a rudimentary way through other people, out of fear of upsetting the person and your relationship. Then the problem becomes more complicated. Go straight to the source and deal with the person directly, even if this makes you uncomfortable. The more you know, the more you think you don't. The more you don't know, the more you think you do. Any social phenomena is difficult to generalize. It causes an embedded in a complex web of history, culture, politics, and economics. If someone explains a social phenomena in terms or in simple terms, he is either an expert or a fool. The biggest obstacle to learning is pretending to know even when you don't. It is better to admit you don't know something. If you pretend, you have to act as you knew all along. It is easier to learn when you set aside your pride and are honest. The compassionate gaze of the wounded soul is more beautiful than the naive smile of the inexperienced youth. The determination to convince someone might stem from being not completely convinced yourself. I do not go around trying to convince people that I am a man. Wear confidence; it is the height of fashion. When we hold too firmly to our beliefs, we risk being blind to reality and seeing only what conforms to our beliefs. The person who says that person is so political is usually just a political, if not more, as political as if not more. Admiration does not come easily. Rather than setting a goal of becoming rich and powerful. Aim higher, become admired in your field. One of the greatest blessings in life is meeting someone we truly admire. 
that person becomes a beacon of hope, shielding us from cynicism. Sometimes life throws us a curveball for no reason that we can fathom. But do not despair. We are not alone. We can persevere. This too shall pass like the heat of summer. As you enter your forties, you start to think, is this what life is all about? Is this all there is? That sad and shallow feeling, I too know it. Love, not righteous words, can ch- love, not righteous words, can change people's lives. Three liberating insights. Let's just see how long time we have left before I keep on going. Yes, thirty-two minutes. Take this one, and then we close. Three liberating insights. On spring day, as I turned thirty, I looked into my mind and realized three things. The moment I realized them, I knew what I had to do to be happy. First, people are not as interested in me as I had always believed. I cannot remember what my friend was wearing when I saw her a week ago, or how her makeup was, or what her hair was like. If I cannot remember, then why would she remember similar things about me? Although we do things about, think about others from time to time, it is rarely for more than a few minutes. When we are done thinking about other people, our minds revert to what immediately concerns us. Why should we spend so many hours of our lives worrying about how we appear to others? Second, not everyone has to like me. After all, I do not like everyone. Certainly for all of us, there are politicians, co-workers, clients and family members we simply cannot stand. So then why should everyone like me? There is no need to torment yourself because someone dislikes you. Accept it as a fact of life. You cannot control how others feel about you. If someone does not like you, let her have her opinion. Just move on. Third, if we are brutally honest with ourselves, most things we do for others are in fact for ourselves. We pray for the well-being of our family because we need them to be around. We shed tears when our partner dies because of the impending loneliness. We sacrifice for our children in the hope that they will grow up the way we want. Unless we become enlightened like the Buddha or Jesus, it is difficult to abandon our deep-rooted preoccupation with ourselves. Stop worrying about what others think and just do what your heart wishes. Do not crowd your mind with what if. Uncomplicated, so un- uncomplicate your life and own up to your desires. Only when you are happy can you help to make the world a happier place. Do not let people's opinions of you determine who you are. Instead of worrying about what others others think, devote yourself to your dreams. When someone does not like us, it is not our problem but theirs. Not everyone will like us. This is a problem only if we let it bother us. 
By complaining that something we have to do is too hard, we add another layer of difficulty. Take a deep breath and then just do it. Write down on a sheet of paper the names of the places you want to travel to before you die, the people you hope to meet, the con- concerts you know you will enjoy, the sports games you are dying to see, the restaurants you have to try. Then experience everything on the list, item by item. Nobody needs to know about the list. Allow yourself a little secret of your own. It will feel good to do something just for yourself. Life is like jazz. Much of it is improvised. We cannot control all the variables. We must live with it with pancake and flair. So panache and flair, regardless of what it throws at us. We can love our family and pray for their happiness. We can give advice and help when needed. But we can neither make decisions for them, nor make them act the way we want them to. There are many things we cannot control in life. That includes those closest to us. If you learn to play one sport well, it becomes easier to learn to play another. If you become flattened in one foreign language, you can more easily learn another. If you figure out how to run a small business, it'll be easier to run a second or third one. Do not be envious of those who are good at many things. First learn to be good at one. You will soon be able to do two or three. A majestic three, a majestic three is the first to be cut down and used for lumber, whereas a modest one lives on. Likewise, a real master conceals his virtue and never boasts of his excellence. Dream big, but start small. A small adjustment can have a big effect on your life. For example, if you want to be healthier, then start by going to bed a half an hour earlier. If you want to lose weight, then start by drinking water instead of soda. If you have an important project to complete, then start by getting your desk organized. Keep your thoughts positive, because your thoughts becomes your words. Keep your words positive, because your words becomes your behavior. Keep your behavior positive because your behavior becomes your habits. Keep your habits positive because your habits becomes your values. Keep your values positive because your values becomes your destiny. And this is Gandhi who has said this. Your mind cannot hold two thoughts at once. This means that a single thought can occupy your entire mind. Whether good or bad, everything stems from a single thought. If we are careful with that first thought, even tragedy can be prevented. We prefer the right words to the wrong words. We prefer honest words to the right words. We prefer real acts to honest words. How you speak is often more important than what you say. An action speaks louder than words. Knowledge wants to talk. Wisdom wants to listen. A foolish person thinks, I already know that. He keeps anything new from coming into his mind. A wise person thinks, I don't know the whole story. She opens herself up to even greater wisdom.
wisdom. An ordinary person mainly notices particular things he likes or dislikes. A wise person notices both the whole and the particulars. When you share your problem with your friends, you do not expect them to have the solutions. You are just grateful they are there for you and willing to listen. <clears throat> If someone shares his problems with you, don't feel the need to have the solution. Just listen sincerely. This is often more helpful. When I look deeply within myself, I realize that it is that I really want from others. Attentive ears that listens to what I am saying, kind words that acknowledges my existence and worth, gentle eyes that accepts my flaws and insecurities. I resolve to be that person for those around me. A bad driver breaks often. A bad conversationalist also breaks often, interrupting the flow with his own story. You can fool someone for a moment, but it is hard to fool someone for long. Time will tell if someone has spoken from the heart or made things up to get what he wanted. Even if he got what he wanted with a monetary light, sorry, momentary lie, the fact that he lied will stay with him until the day he dies. When there is no envy or expectation, even the wealthiest and most powerful person is just another human being. Only when we are envious of what he has or expect something from him, do we become disconnected and loses our composure. Or composure. Swindlers love to sweet talk about future gain, insisting that things will work out if we listen to them. When our greed is awakened, we are cheated. A clever negotiator leads the other party to think they are one while getting everything he wants. If the other party feels flawed and superior and lets the clever negotiator have his way, then it is really the negotiator who has won. A cruel irony. The reward for someone who works hard is more work. If we are quick to grant a favor, then people quickly forget their gratitude. If we grant a favor with several conditions, then people express immense gratitude. Chapter number seven, the future. But this is for a different podcast. So to summarize, can we as human beings find happiness in our everyday life? Because a lot of time we spend is spent on trivial things, ordinary things, standing in line, buying groceries, reading a book, for example, or simply just being with ourselves. Maybe even being with our family can be or feel trivial or ordinary. Can we make the ordinary experience feel extraordinary? Can we, when we meditate, come into a state of awareness where we actually feel that we are actually living in the moment, living right here, right now, feeling or taking in the experience wholly and truly, 
not caring and worrying about the past or the future. Not thinking about that we really want to be another place than right here, right now. Now that's the question, because we human beings, we tend to always think about our lives as perhaps not so exciting as we want them to be. We always always think that the grass is greener on the other side, that if we just traveled here or did this or did that, then we would be truly happy. But that is rarely the case. If you are not happy right here, right now, and you are not pursuing the happiness of living right here, right now, in the moment, then you will not feel truly happiness in your life. You might find some sort of enjoyment in being the center of the party or being at the party, simply just trying as many experiences as humanly possible before you die. But that is really not searching for true inner happiness being in contact with your true inner core and allowing your inner beauty to shine onto another human being. Because we human beings, we are infinite love and kindness. We have the ability to show love and kindness to ourselves and to others. But we fill up our life with a lot of clutter. We fill up our life with a lot of screen time we use up many, 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 many hours every day on the screen. And it's not going to allow us to feel happiness inside. Yes, it is true that we, when we look at someone opening a, <laughs> a Pokemon package, that there are some endorphins and some drugs in our brain that get released once we get to the last card that he is opening, because it might be a very valuable card or very rare card, and then we get a, a certain amount of rush in our in ourselves, and this feeling can be addicted. But has has it to do something, or has it to do with our happiness? One can ask about this because. <laughs> We have exchanged true happiness with a feeling or a sensation that perhaps is not so wholesome to us. So we have to be very sincere about what we put through our eyes and ears. Is it truly making us happy? Are we truly there for our fellow human beings? Are we truly meditating on being loving and caring and kind towards ourselves and towards others? That's the question that we need to ask ourselves. Because asking these tough questions can actually make you and me to move in a direction that could be favorable to expressing more love and compassion in our lives. More love and compassion in our lives, it it has to do with other people that we meet face-to-face, uh, -face, of course. Not on the internet. Not this 
distancing from us to them because a lot of people feel lonely and sad inside even though they have close friends or you could call them close friends if they are a part of a facebook group maybe not uh, <laughs> do you really have close friends or do you just have friends on the internet a lot of people have a lot of people have exchanged the feeling of true love and compassion and connectedness with a connectedness through the screen. And I would highly recommend you and myself to get out of this, out of this mindset of constantly letting ourselves be entertained by the screen because it is not going to provide us with true happiness in our lives. I can guarantee it. It is only the interactions with other human beings that we can learn from and have experiences by that can help us mold our life in a more compassionate and loving and caring way. So having a mindset that says, I have to get to know other human beings, I have to at a more profound and deep level get to know them is an act of kindness, is an act of love for another human being. And of course I hope that when you talk to me or I talk to another person that that person have a good experience of me. That I leave a permanent positive mark on that person that that person goes away from me feeling uplifted, feeling that he was a good person that wanted the best for me. So allowing ourselves to mold our mind in a more positive direction, a more loving and caring and kind direction, has also something to do with having a good relationship with Jehovah God, the Almighty One. Praying to Him in the name of Jesus Christ is very important for us to receive His Holy Spirit and His Holy Spirit will guide us to even feel more love and compassion and kindness in our lives. So I would highly suggest you do the same thing. You Find a beautiful relationship with Jehovah God just by simply closing your eyes and closing the prayer with the name of Jesus Christ so you recognize the greatest sacrifice of them all. And you also recognize that Jehovah God has resurrected Jesus Christ and he is alive today. He is alive in the heavens today. So nothing really matters than our belief system of this greatest sacrifice of them all. And what we can learn from Jesus Christ. He taught, he taught, uh, he taught us the merciful Samaritan. He taught us how we should act with each other as human beings. He also taught us to be very aware of what we put through our eyes and ears because it has a greater deal of effect on us either in the negative direction or the positive one. And I believe in highly to recommend you to 
fill up your mind with positive human beings who have something positive to say, something uplifting to say, something about love and kindness and being there for others. Because that should really be our main concern in life, to truly be there for other human beings, being concerned about them, but also listening to them carefully, actually being there in the moment, 100% listening to them so that they feel love and kindness coming towards them. And eventually you will also feel love and kindness coming towards you. So I hope this uh, podcast, though a little short today, was uplifting for you. I hope that there was something that you could use in your own life, that you could feel an uplifting journey starting in your life. Start by meditating, maybe 10 to 15 minutes every day, and then gradually excel, and excel to about one hour of meditation every day. Then you will find great joy in your life, when you start molding your mind in the direction that Jehovah God wants us to be in. So coming very close to love and compassion and kindness is the greatest gift of them all. But you have to take uh, this gift towards you. Otherwise, it is pointless that I talk to you. Or not pointless that I talk to you, but it is It is advice that is given but not received, so to speak. So I hope that you will receive some of these advices that have been given to you in this podcast. I hope that you love each other and are kind to one another. And I hope that you also find happiness in your life, that you feel that you are a loving and caring and kind human being that deserves your own and other people's love and kindness. So this is Kenneth Anderson signing off. It is the 8th of August 2021. The time is 21.13 and it is Sunday. Bye.